I pray that tonight God would help us to change the culture uh, that so many churches can fall into. And um, I feel the Holy Ghost, praise God. We could talk ourselves into revival. We could talk ourselves into blessings, into miracles, into wonders. Uh, but it all begins with our speech. And so tonight we're going to be talking about the spirit of speech. Can we say that together? The spirit of speech. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful and it is anointed. God, we pray your blessing over the last few moments of this service. I pray against every spirit of fear, worry, condemnation, guilt, and shame. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move wonderfully in this house. I pray, God, that you would bring every spirit that's contrary to your spirit. Bring it under arrest. And I pray, God, that it would all be subjugated to your peace, to your grace, to your love. In Jesus' name we pray and someone shout amen. amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. In our message last week, we explored the biblical attitudes surrounding mixed marriages. Tonight, we are looking at a separate but closely related issue. It is the issue of the spirit behind our speech. Too often, we only watch what we say, and we wrongly assume that's enough to stay on God's good side. But the reality is that God is weighing the spirit in which our words are enveloped. Proverbs 16 and 2 says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirits. The reason that any of this is of relevance for us today is because it informs us about God's rules for traveling. And those of you that have been with us since the beginning of the book of Numbers, you know that Israel is in motion. They are beginning to travel. They are en route to the promised land. Now staying still is not an option for God's people. God's people must be a moving people. They must be a traveling people. They must be a people that are in motion. But they must be careful in how they run. It is the will of God that we run our race. It is not the will of God that we run it unlawfully. We want to move. We want to stay in motion. We want to reach our destination. But most importantly, we want the route between the starting line and the finish line to be paved in righteousness. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul carefully lists how Israel failed between the starting line and the finish line. Number one, they committed idolatry. That is a failure in worship. Number two, they committed fornication. That is a failure in morality. Number three, they tempted God. That is a failure in trust and in patience. Number four, the Bible says they murmured. That is a failure in speech. Speech and the spirit behind it is one of the most important subjects in the believer's life. There are countless words and phrases that their meaning does not depend on the rules of grammar or the words that are used, but on the spirit with which they are communicated. I want to give you a very quick example. The word no 
is a complete sentence. If all you said was no, period, that is a complete sentence. But it's how you say no that tells everybody what you mean by your no. You can say no. You can say no. You can say no. And it's the way that you say it, the spirit in which you say it, that tells people just what kind of no you're talking about. There are things that grammar cannot capture. There are things that go beyond just words. It is the spirit behind the speech. And as humans, we are indescribably sensitive to the spirit that goes into our speech. And so is God. Numbers 12 and 2 says, And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. The last five words of that verse, and the Lord heard it, are extremely important. You see, there is a reason God heard these words. And it does not have anything to do with the fact that these words were new. Amen. Because in fact they were not. It was not something that was novel. Amen. Or new. These words in fact had been affirmed by God himself on multiple occasions. In Exodus chapter 7, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron. In Exodus 15 and 20, the Bible calls Miriam a prophetess. Amen. Both Aaron and Miriam had heard the Lord speak on several occasions. They had heard God talk plenty. The statement, amen, is not what angered God. When they came out and said, does God only talk to Moses? Doesn't he talk to you and me too, Aaron? That is not what bothered God because the statement is true. The problem with the statement is that it's treacherous. It is so treacherous that Miriam is struck with leprosy. And we talked about this just last week. She is struck with leprosy and she is isolated from the community for several days. Why? Because of the spirit behind her speech we may not be able to read the attitude amen in just black and white paper and ink but trust me there was an attitude there there was a way with which Miriam said things that kindled the anger of God there is a way that Miriam suggested the words that even God himself had said before that angered the heart of God and I want to remind you tonight, and I've come to preach to you tonight, amen, that your speech has a spiritual purpose. And you have to make sure that that spiritual purpose, amen, is always in alignment with the purpose of God. The weight of our words is equally distributed on God's scale between the words we choose and the spirit we choose to use them with. Both are important to God. God is not just watching what we say. God is watching how we say it. God is not just marking down the words. He's doing much more than that. Praise God. He's watching the tone. He's watching the texture. He's watching the implications. He's watching the subtle hints. Amen. If if you're not careful, amen, a lot of people fall into technicalities. They get that pharisaical, Sadduc Sadducee spirit on them where they say, well, I didn't say anything wrong. You're just reading into it that way. Amen. Hallelujah. People, God's a lot smarter than that. We're a lot smarter than that. And we got to make sure that our words, amen, stay in alignment.
alignment, amen, with the will and the word of God, with the attitude of God, praise God. I don't want to use my words to hurt people, amen. God did not give us the gift of speech simply for the sake of communicating. God has given us speech, amen, hallelujah, as a tool to help heal, to help enhance, to help propel our church, to help heal, to help enhance, to help prepare, amen, our families, our children, amen, hallelujah, our loved ones, our friends, and our families, uh, and if we're not careful, we'll abuse our language, we'll abuse speech, we'll abuse communication, and we'll end up hurting people, amen, somebody say praise God. There is a great temptation in the church today to get us to inject our speech with a spirit that is contrary to the betterment of everything that is meaningful and important. So tonight, we're going to be talking about what the church needs to remember about our words. Number one, we need to remember that our words will be judged. Better yet, we need to remember that we will be judged according to our words. Our words are important. And I'm not talking about and I, I know I've made this point, but I really want to make it clear because I see it happen a lot. Not so much here, but just in my years as a Christian. A lot of people try to get by on what they're actually saying, but they want to pass on the spirit they're saying it with. And to God, amen, the spirit we say things with. Because I'm telling you, and if you've been in church long enough, we've all been told something difficult, hurtful, amen, corrective by somebody that we know loves us and they say it in a right spirit, and we appreciate the fact that they said it. Praise God. But a lot of us, amen, if not all of us who've been in church long enough, we also know what it is for somebody to say something that's technically not offensive, but they say it in such a way, amen, that it just hurts. It, it stabs. It wounds. Some of us are still walking around with those wounds. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I want to remind you today, church, that the words that we say, amen, will show up in our judgment. James 1 and 26 tells us, If any man among you or woman seems to be religious and bridles not their tongue, but the, he, that person deceives their own heart, that person's religion is in vain. It don't matter how Pentecostal you call yourself. It don't matter how big your Bible is. It don't matter how long your hair is. It don't matter how long your skirt is. It don't matter what color your shirt is. Praise God. It don't matter how well shined your shoes are. Praise God. It don't matter how much money you have in the bank. It don't matter if you tithe enough to pay off a church. It don't matter if you fast till your belly button fall off. Praise God. If you can't bridle your tongue, as far as God is concerned, you ain't even religious. As far as God is concerned, the title means nothing. The label means nothing amen we got to watch what we say praise God and if and, and, and if you allow me just for a few seconds let me bring it to 2021 you got to watch what you type on Instagram you got to watch what you type on Facebook you got to watch what you type on Twitter praise God because you can get a spirit behind that too praise God that, that we call those people trolls praise God amen and I'm just telling you the church don't need trolls praise God the church needs sheep and saints praise come on Oh, let's praise God. Let's praise God. Let's praise God. James 2 and 12 says, So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged. Everyone say judge. As they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. 
I'm telling you I'm preaching to myself tonight because I struggle with my speech. Amen. I, I can craft words pretty good, but the spirit, it's actually dangerous to actually know how to craft words, but never check your spirit. Because I know people that they're really good at talking, but they never, they work on the wording, but never their spirit. And so they end up weaponizing words. And so we have to be very careful, amen, because I, I, I hope I can convince you today that, that you should remember when you talk, when you're, when you're, when you're flared up, when you're, when you're worked up, when you're acting silly and not thinking, that you're going to be judged by the words you speak. And the scripture says, I know a lot of people may be wondering about this, but the Bible talks about you will be judged by the law of liberty. That, that, that does not mean that, 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 that God's very liberal and that he, he ain't going to hardly hold anything against you. On the contrary, the law of liberty is anything that makes an individual free. And the only thing that makes people free is the gospel. And so what the scripture is actually saying is you will be judged by that law that sets people free. And the reason you're going to be judged by the law that sets people free is because words hold people captive. You are actually taking someone's liberty away. And the, I'm telling you right now, words and the spirit behind them has the ability to keep people captive, captive to the past, captive to anger, captive to fear, captive to anxiety. I could tell you right now that I, I have lived long enough now as many of you good saints have. I know what it is to have my heart rate go up when the phone rings because a certain individual that knows how to say nothing and say a lot, praise God, and they weaponize their words and they put the pressure in the right place and they put the comma in the right place and they know how to, they know how to answer the questions just right and they're so good at it that if, that if you recorded the phone conversation, you can never get them for saying something bad. They, they know just how to say it. They know when to say it. Man, some of these people, they're so blessed, they'll call you on Sunday morning, praise God. Some of them get really good and call you after Sunday church. Some of them get really good and call you on your birthday, not even knowing it's your birthday praise God and they just want to bless you hallelujah with a little non-religious talk amen with a little with a little non-Jesus spirit amen behind their speech I'm telling you church we got we got to watch it we got to watch it with our words I, I I I fear and I'm telling you I I know some people might think man pastor really like to hear himself talk I'm telling you I don't like doing this praise God I am afraid I try to be careful when I talk to people I'm going to be judged by the law of liberty and I've 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 preached and pastored long enough I, I remember I had one woman come up to me after years I've known this woman for years she don't go to church here but it was during the time I evangelized she came up to me I think maybe 10 years after she had heard me say something behind the pulpit and it offended her and it hurt her and she came up to me with tears in her eyes and she just let me have it now I didn't I, I still don't totally agree with her take on what I said but that's past the point it hurt her and I was okay with apologizing to her I was okay with saying sister I don't want you to be captive to that you've been sitting through service after service listening to me preach wondering if I'm a horrible person if I said that 
as an attack or whatever. I said, I don't want you to live in bondage to that. I don't want you to be captive to that. And I hope that tonight even a spirit can get on all of us where we're not afraid to apologize. We're not afraid to say, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't realize you read that that way. I'm, you know, and you can get slick. I know some people be like, sorry. I'm sorry you interpreted it that way. No, 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 no. Let's just say sorry. Praise God. Let's just say I'm sorry it hurt you. Let's just, how about, how about we just, how about we just say sorry without a but at the end of it? Praise God. I don't, I'm not trying to sound bad. But, you know, some people always say sorry, but you made me. No, no, no. How about we just say sorry and, and go ahead and let that be a complete sentence? How about we just say sorry, period? Hallelujah. And how about, and how about, how about we don't say sorry? How about we say sorry? Praise God. How, oh, come on, somebody. Don't, don't get quiet on me because. Hey, I know some folks might think pastor's reading their mail. No, pastor is in Numbers chapter 12 because I was in it last week. But when I walked in the sanctuary today, I just felt a spirit of sorry. Praise God. I just felt a spirit, amen, behind a lot of folks' speech. I just feel like there's some folk you might have come in today. Praise God. Because the last week and the last few days, if not in the car, in the parking lot, your speech was charged. You was talking foul to one another. You wasn't saying nothing because the kids was in the car. You was talking in code, spelling. Praise God. But you know what? God don't like you spelling with the bad spirit either. Praise God. It's just time. It's just time we clean it up. Praise God. It's just time we clean it up. It's time we take the spirit out of some stuff. Praise God. It's time we use our words wisely. Praise God. How about, how about we start thinking of new ways to say hard things? How about we start thinking of ways to use our words to encourage people? How about we start thinking of every way possible to tell our son we love him, to tell our daughter we love him, to tell our siblings we love him, to tell our parents we love him? How about we start thinking of new and creative ways to encourage somebody to get up, amen, to stay strong? How about we start finding some new, amen, and novel ways of asking our husband to take out the garbage? Uh, how about we start, come on, y'all getting quiet on me now, praise God. Amen, I'm talking to you in a good spirit, hallelujah. How about we start finding new ways? How about we stop going down those old routes and start finding new ways to communicate? How about we bring down the volume? Hey. Hey, I'm going to just tell you some of the best advice my wife ever got. I want everybody who's married, wants to be married, dreams about getting married. I want you to hear me good. Men need to work on their tone. Women need to work on their timing. Yeah, I didn't think the ladies was going to amen me. Everybody love when we get on the men, but get on the women. You know, man, we got to just watch the volume, the texture, the tone. But you know, women, you know, if your husband's in the back with a chainsaw and you know he can't cut a tree down and he, he done he's out there trying to be a good, that's not the time. That's just not the time. To want to discuss last year's anniversary. And, and, and you know what? We got to make space in our lives. We have to make space in our lives. For, for somebody to say, hey, can I get back to you? Can I just, can I get back to you? I'm not leaving the family. I'm not forsaking you. I still love you. But can I, let me just get back to you in just a few seconds. 
And the minute your husband walks through the door, my wife don't do this to me, so y'all think, man, Pastor's getting on his way. I'm not doing that. We ain't sneak preaching here. This ain't, this ain't the secret message. But me and my wife did used to do this to each other. We, we didn't watch her. That, that how you think we got this great advice. Because we, I, I had a hard time controlling my tone. I wasn't even trying to be mean. I just, look, look my grandma was deaf. My mom could hear good, but she yelled too. I just come from, from, you know, old Mexican women. They just yell. My grandma yelled about everything. My mom yelled. My mom yells. I love her. She's in Mexico right now. She just called me. But she yells. And so I just yell. And my wife just don't, they, she wasn't used to that. And I wasn't used to, to having to discuss deep topics while I had a chainsaw in my hand. So we had to give some advice about what the problem was. The, the problem was tone and timing. Come on, I'm, I'm trying to, this is, you, you know, you may not hear this everywhere. So Matthew 12 and 36 says, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified. And by thy words, everyone say words, thou shalt be condemned. I promise you, Jesus is not talking about, when he says words, he's not talking about those things that, that make a sound when they're combined with letters. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the speech and the spirit behind it. And Jesus is letting us know, you're going to, he tells us what kind of words you're going to be judged by. Actually, he says idle words, idle words. The word idle means wicked, injurious, false, malicious. Wicked, injurious, false, malicious. What does that mean? It means that you say things with no other intent other than to hurt somebody. And Jesus says, this is what I'm going to judge you by. This is what I'm going to judge you by. I'm going to judge you by whether or not you say things with no other purpose, with no, with no other purpose than to hurt the person. You are much better off telling somebody, Hey, what you said hurt me versus, well, you ugly too. Because that's now just becoming injurious, just injuries. We're just cutting each other now. Everybody got the knife out. And a lot of people think that when we get to heaven, we're going to be able to tell Jesus, well, you heard what they said first, right? And you might be shocked to see, to, see, to see your man walk right by you straight into the pearly gates because he repented and you didn't. It's going to be a tragedy that some people actually think that the blood of Jesus covers stuff we never take the time to repent about. So if you say it, I didn't say why you say it, but if you say it, repent about it. Just repent about it. Yeah, just repent about it. Come on, somebody, just repent about it. Repentance is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. 
I repented. You may lose confidence. I repent about all kinds of stuff all day. I was repenting before this service began. I want to be saved. And, and, and I just know that the Bible says if we confess our sins, not if we tell God who hurt us first. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. I, parents, I love you. I'm not trying to tell you how to parent. Really, I'm not. But I'm just going to share with you. I've had to apologize to my daughters. I've had to tell my daughters, you know what? I should not have said that like that. I am sorry. Some of us here have been hurt by our parents, and our parents never felt a single obligation to say sorry. And I'm, 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 I, I have the right. I'm a 42-year-old man with health insurance, health problems, and rent. Praise God. I could, I could say this. I have children. I have children. And I'm just telling you, just because my wife and I, amen, gave birth to them, feed them every day, put clothes, does not give us the right to never have to say sorry to them. And so we just have to be humble, folks. It's getting quiet on me, brother. I'm almost done. Surprise, surprise. I'm almost done. But let me tell you something. The Bible says God resists the proud. God resists the proud. But he gives grace unto the humble. I, I, I am thinking of somebody who I love very much. They're not in this church. In fact, they're not in church at all. But I'm thinking of somebody who me and them had a constant, ongoing. You ever have like a problem with somebody, but you don't actually talk about that problem? There's like an ongoing beef that just never really, it never takes shape. You just know that you and that person kind of don't get along. There's just something always under the, the rug. And I remember, I just decided one day, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be captive to this no more. That you and me, we're supposed to kind of be close, but there's just something there. And I just want, I just want to get rid of it. And I remember the day I chose to do it, like it came up, I was like, that, that right there, that vibe right there. What is that? Why do we do this right here? And I could tell they were shocked. And let me tell you, it got ugly. It got ugly. They started screaming. I did some Christian screaming back. It got the tears. But somebody who I thought would never apologize over their behavior came back. We're not even, I'm in church. They were not in church. They came back and said, you know what? I'm glad you called that out. I'm glad you called that out because, man, I, I, I don't want to be like that with you. And we got it, we got it taken care of. And our relationship has been roses ever since. But we had to talk about the spirit, the energy, the vibe that was there. We didn't want it. They didn't want it. I, didn't want, I had my perception of what they were doing. They had their perception of what I was doing. And it wasn't until we stopped and said, hey, we know, we know what we're both saying, but what is this? What is this energy right here? What is, what is this? What is, what is this climate that always gets in the middle of our relationship? Why is it there? All right, so what do we do with our speech? I'm closing because I don't want nobody to get mad. Number one, in church, let's use our words to build up. 
Let's use, let's use our words to build up. Sunday school teachers, let's build up those kids. Amen. Saints of God, let's build each other up. I'm talking to the preachers and myself included. Let's build people up. Praise God. Let's encourage people. Let's tell them they look nice. Let's tell them they're great people. Praise God. Let's tell them we love them. Praise God. Let's tell them we're happy to see them. Let's, let's tell them we're praying for them. Now, don't lie. But let's tell them we're praying for them. Praise God. Let, let, let's tell them, praise God, that we're glad that we're in the same church together. Let's tell them, praise God, that you, come on, somebody. Let's build people up. Oh, praise God. Let's leave our problems at the door. Praise, better yet, let's leave it in the car. Hallelujah. Amen. Leave it in the trunk. Praise God. And drop it off in the bay before you leave. Praise God. Ephesians 4 and 29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Another translation says it this way. Stop all your dirty talk. Stop all your dirty talk. Say the right thing at the right time and help others by what you say. Come on, that's simple. Stop all the dirty talk. Amen. Parents, if we hear our kids talking dirty, make them stop it. Praise God. Amen. Adults, let's not talk dirty. Praise God. Let, let, let's not do none of that. Praise God. Let no corrupt community. Let's not tell nasty jokes. Praise God. Let's not, let's not bring that spirit. I'm telling you one of the things I do not like. Praise God. And I've had my moments where, you know, you, you say things. But I'm just telling you right now, I don't understand this spirit where people act real, 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 real sanctimonious. And then all of a sudden, amen, when you're outside the church, they're telling all kinds of filthy, nasty jokes. Amen. And, I, and, and, they're sent, and they're sending weird, praise God, gifts. Amen. And they're sending weird memes. It's getting quiet on me. That's all right, because I know where folks are living. Praise God. The Bible says, stop all your dirty talk. Stop all your dirty text. Stop all your dirty jokes. Stop. Come on. Just, let's just stop it. Praise God. Let's just stop it. Let, let's just stop sending the wrong emojis. Let's just stop it. Praise God. Let's get ourselves lined up. Amen. People, I have an obligation by the gospel of Jesus Christ to remind you that you will be judged, to remind you that Jesus is coming soon, to remind you that we must be moral, to remind you to stop all the dirty talks, to remind you to say the right thing, to say the right thing at the right time. Amen. And to help others with the things you say. Praise God. If it's going to come out of your mouth and it's going to be going towards somebody else, just ask yourself one question. Is this going to help them? Praise God. Is this going to encourage them? Is this going to edify them? Is this going to build them up? I pray to God that East Bay Bible Fellowship, amen, learns the fine art of building people up. Praise God. We don't have to flatter nobody. We don't have to lie to nobody. But it's never going to hurt you. I, I tell people all the time in Texas, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I tell them, man, I'm so glad, amen, that we're riding this river together. I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't want to be living in the last days with anybody else besides y'all. I'm glad that we are all living in the last days together. I'm glad that we're all in the same church i'm glad we're all gonna have to find a place to hide when the mark of the beast come out together praise god i'm glad we're in this together praise god i'm glad we're all gonna see the rapture together praise god I'm, come on somebody praise god i'm glad we're gonna fill this building up together yeah all right we're almost done i don't even know why i felt to talk about this last point proverbs 15 and 1 esv says a soft answer. It's almost the same in the KJV. It says a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stirs up anger. We got to use our words.
to turn down anger. People are really angry right now. Yeah, people are really angry. And I'm not just talking about the people that were protesting a few months ago. I'm talking about the people that don't know how they're going to pay their rent. I'm talking about the people who, even though they've recovered from COVID, they're still struggling. I'm talking about the people that got their car repoed. I'm talking about the people that lost their parents. I'm thinking about, about one guy. My, my wife and my family will know who I'm talking about. There's one guy. He, he made all our cakes for our weddings, for our birthday. We still use him. He's a great guy. But during COVID, I, man, we saw him. He lost a ton of weight. He got COVID. He got sick. He lost his father. His business was on the rocks. I, and I, he's a nice guy, happy. Every time you see him, he's smiling. But I, I, I doubt he walked away from that without any anger. I, how, how would you not be angry? There are people that are angry that Trump lost. There's people that are angry Biden won. There are people that are angry that government exists. There are people that are angry at the cops. There are cops that are angry at the citizens they protect. I, I, don't know, I don't know what the numbers are. We have some veterans here. But do I need to remind you that the United States has been engaged in war for over, the last, for, for over 20 years? We are putting out thousands of veterans a day. I'm not talking about great, gray-haired veterans. Sister Leslie back there looking young. She's a veteran. We think of veterans... As, as these older people that, you know, survive. I'm telling you, we are putting out 19, 20, 21, 23, 24, 25-year-old veterans. And I'm telling you, a lot of them are angry. We're putting out veterans. There's, right here in Alameda, we only live just a few blocks from Oakland. Oakland has one of the highest homicide rates in the United States. But do you know, when, when they do all the research into the homicide, you know that 90% of those murders are just revenge killings? They're people that are angry. They're angry that in the hood, there's a no snitch code. And they're angry that their cousin got shot, that their brother got shot, that their father, their mother, they're mad. I'm telling you, there's a lot of anger. And what East Bay Bible Fellowship needs to get really good at is turning down people's anger. Because nobody, you know, you know when they go out there in the world, you know, you know what they tell them. I'm angry. Me too. Let's get angry together. And anger is contagious. In fact, the Bible says, make not friends with an angry person, lest you learn their ways. There are angry people. There are angry people that have lost their friends, lost their parents. There are angry parents that have lost their kids. There are angry people in the court system. There are angry veterans. There, there are people angry. And what East Bay Bible Fellowship Saints need to get good at when they're on the job, when they're on the street, when they're out there, amen, doing their daily routine. And when we're here in the house of God, is to speak softly to people. And we're not talking about tone. But when they express their hurt, when they express their anger, let's show some sympathy, even some empathy. You don't even have to, you don't even have to chime in on the issue. But I'm telling you, I, I, I remember when I first came to church, I was mad. 
Boy, I was mad. And I didn't even know about what. Sister Kifla, she's watching the baby right now, but she'd know who I'm talking about. My wife knows who I'm talking about. But I remember, he, he just passed away a few years ago, but Sister Nancy Holston's husband. I remember I came into church an angry teenager, and I was at an altar call. And this good saint to God, this good man, he just died. Man, one of the most Christian men I've ever met in my life. I'm telling you, I'll never forget it as long as I live. He just came up behind me and put his hand on my back. And I could hear him praying. And I'm telling you, I, I've never forgot it because I felt anger just melt. And I just, I remember as a 19-year-old thinking to myself, what am I so angry about? And I could just feel this, this, this gentleness from this man. I'm not talking about softness. I'm, I'm, he, he was a man, but... But there was a gentleness, there was a Christ-like gentleness that came off of him. I'm telling you, he didn't have to tell me, hey, son, I've been, he hadn't been through what I've been through. But you know what? Just being prayed up. That's why we pray before church. That's why. So that, we, so that when we can't empathize, when we can't even sympathize, what we can do is put an arm around somebody. Say, hey, man, we love you. God loves you. I'm telling you, saint of God, there's an anointing on your life. There's a Christ anointing that if, if all you do is come to church prayed up, and there just has to come a point where we come to minister. Listen, minister is a noun and a verb. I am the noun, but there's a verb form of it. And that's where you just come up on somebody, you put your arm around them. You just tell them, hey, man, I love you. God loves you. And just pray. And just turn down the anger. We need to lift our hands right now and pray, in fact. Jesus, I really feel this church. There's going to be people coming through the doors of our church that are upset, that are angry. We're going to have to help them. We're going to have to help them. Oh, Jesus. Musicians come. Praise God. I don't know who you got playing tonight. Praise God. Oh, let's stand. Hallelujah. 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 Let's just pray. There's a good spirit here tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, Jesus. I pray for the saints of East Bay Bible Fellowship. God, I pray in your precious name that you would use us to diffuse, to disarm. God, the anger that's raging in so many people's hearts. God, I pray that even tonight, if there's anybody that's walked through these doors upset, angry, God, that, that anger would go down, that it would go away, that they'd be freed from it tonight. Oh, God, by the gentleness of your words. God, by a brother or a sister, praying with them, praying for them. Hallelujah.